Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. As most of you know, we are working our way through 2 Corinthians, verse by verse. We are in chapter 5, and we are studying a section that tells us why Christians should gladly give their lives fully and completely to Christ. And it starts with Paul's reminder of our accountability to God in verses 9 and 10, where he tells us that we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And at that time, we are going to give an account of what we did upon the earth, and we are going to be evaluated according to what we have done, whether good or bad. And we've got that day ahead of us, and we need to keep that in mind at all times. But not only is there this matter of our accountability to God, but as Paul goes on to tell us, we also have a responsibility to men. And that's verses 11 and 12 and 13 in which he reminds us that we are responsible for a clear testimony before men. We are responsible for a principled defense of the truth before men. And we are responsible to serve men, not to be so concerned about what they think of us. We're serving God, but we are serving God by serving others. It matters little what people think or say, but it does matter a great deal how we live and serve. So having covered these items in verses 9 through 13, we're going to take up a third area. Why should Christians give themselves fully to Christ? Number one, because of our accountability to God. Number two, because of our responsibility to men. And now number three, out of gratitude for Christ. And that's verses 14 and 15. And that's where we're going today, which is Thursday, December 8. Thank you for joining us, and many thanks for those whose financial gifts keep us going. Our gratitude to Christ is the reason why we should give ourselves fully to Him. For, he tells us, verse 14, the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Our gratitude for Christ. And our gratitude for Christ centers in his amazing love to us. For the love of Christ compels us. That's Christ's love to us. And having become recipients of such love, we should live accordingly. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ motivates us. The love of Christ moves us. 
The love of Christ draws us. The love of Christ, we could even use the word forces us out of gratitude to love him in return and to serve him while we are upon the earth. Gratitude for his amazing love, and we should never get over that. It is true that many times the love of God or of Christ will not make a distinction between those at this particular time, but it's often very true that the love of God is is emphasized in a in an unbiblical way. But that doesn't mean that it should not be emphasized. It just needs to be emphasized in a biblical way. Many people seem to think that referring to the love of God is the primary way to evangelize people, and a careful study of Scripture will show you that that is not the case. It's, it's very difficult to find an example of someone in Scripture who appealed to the love of God as a motive for people to come to Christ, as a motive for people to pay attention to the gospel because of God's great love to, to the world and so forth. It's, it's very difficult to find examples of that in Scripture, believe it or not, because most people are, have, heur- have heard that emphasis, the love of God, as a primary ingredient in, in proper evangelism, that they have assumed that that, in fact, is a biblical principle, and it is not. Study it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Study it out for yourself. But the love of God for believers is often presented as the highest motive of our service to him. And here it is again. For the love of Christ compels us, having become the recipients of such incredible, amazing, indescribable love. What should we do in response? How should we, who are believers, respond to this love of God that has been shown to us? And the answer is, we should give him our lives. We should give him our time. We should give him our talents. We should be motivated to serve him with everything that we are and have. And so gratitude for his amazing love is the first area of our gratitude to Christ. But secondly, there is gratitude for his vicarious death. And that's the last part of verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because, says Paul, we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. His vicarious death, one died for all. One died on behalf of all. One died in the place of all. Now, For some of you, that raises an important theological question. For many of you, that probably would not come to mind at this point. But for many of you, many others of you, it certainly does. And the question is, and this really is a sticky theological question, believe it or not. The question is, did Christ savingly die on the cross for every individual in the world without exception, Or did he die only for his people, his bride, his chosen people? That's the question. And at first glance, this verse tends to answer that question, or seem to answer that question, in favor of a universal atonement. I read it again. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus 
that if one died for all, then all died. Now, let's not lose sight of what we're talking about here before we get off on the theological trail. We're talking about our gratitude to Christ for his vicarious death. And here's the point. Those of us who are saved know that Christ died for us, knowing that he died in our place, knowing that he died on behalf of our sins, knowing that he took our judgment upon himself, we respond by serving him out of gratitude for his death. He died for us. But the verse goes on, and as we look at it more carefully, we may come to the conclusion, as I have, that it teaches the exact opposite of what most people think it teaches on the service. Rather than teaching a universal atonement, it actually is teaching a particular atonement. How so? Read it carefully. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Now, what does that mean, for all died? We might say, well, that's the wages of sin is death, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Everybody is under the condemnation of death. Everyone will die because of sin. Ah, yes, because of sin. But that's not what this is talking about. This says, if one died for all, that is Christ, then, as a result of Christ's death, all died. Now, wait a minute. In what sense can we say that as a result of Christ's death, all died? That can't be talking about the universal atonement because that is not talking about universal condemnation unto death. It's talking about a death that comes as a result of Christ's death. Christ died for all, then all died. That is, and here's what it's saying, if Christ died, and let's make it individual, if Christ died for me, then I died with him. If Christ died for me, then I died in him. If Christ died for me, then I died when he died. It's talking about the death that all of us incur by being joined to Christ in saving faith. We, The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, and now we begin to realize that that all is evidently not talking about all individuals in the world without exception, but it's talking about all believers. That if Christ died for all believers, then all believers died in him. And verse 15 continues to make the same point if we look at it. And he died for all that, or in order that, those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for all that those who live as a result of his death, who would that be? Would that be every individual in the world without exception? Is Christ's death upon the cross certifying that because he died for everybody, everybody then lives? Everybody comes to spiritual life because he died for all? Or is this all mean he died for all of the elect of God? And he died for all that those who live 
as a consequence of his death, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Ah, that's the point. We should serve Christ out of gratitude for his amazing love. We should serve Christ out of gratitude for his vicarious death. He died in my place. We should serve Christ out of gratitude for his imparted life. Christ died in order that we shall live, and we who live because of the death of Christ should, therefore, serve him. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So Christ died in order to grant life, and to those he granted life to, they should use that life not for themselves, but for Christ who died for them and rose to secure life for them. It is another way of saying what the songwriter said when he wrote, I'll live for him who died for me. Indeed, that ought to be our posture. And the all that Christ died for here are all who died with him when he died on the cross. In other words, in dying with Christ, then the cross takes care of our condemnation, our sentence of death. We died with him. He took it in our place. We died with him. Then, that for that reason, then, his death counts for our death. His death absorbs our condemnation of death. His death means that we don't die because we've already died in him. Is that true of everybody in all the world? Surely not. Surely not. But it sure raises great gratitude in the hearts of those who have reason to believe that Christ died for them, the result being that they are now alive in Christ. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.